live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. With the Packers. Hey, Packer fan. Judging from you, at least those of you that call this show, those of you who email this show, those of you who tweet at this show, those of you who beef on this show, those of you who leave comments on our YouTube channel, it definitely seems to me, looking at all of that, at least that sample size, that Packer fan is beyond ready for the Jordan Love era. Hey, by the way, you heard me correctly. Did you even know we have a YouTube channel? We do. We have a YouTube channel with, we do, Alvi, we do. I said it. Yeah, I said it. Yes, we have a YouTube channel. In fact, we've had a YouTube channel. And we have free content going up every single day. So good news for you. You might not have known that. In fact, I know you didn't know that. It's at Jim Rome Show. At Jim Rome Show. Go over there. Subscribe. In fact, find an Aaron Rodgers take. Then hit like and leave me a comment. So... Based on all of that, if you're a Packer fan, odds are that comment's going to be something like, good riddance, and all aboard the Jordan Love train, or enough of all the drama, it's Jordan Love's team right now, or don't let the door hit you, Aaron, it's Jordan Love time. Well, that part is definitely true. It is Jordan Love time. Time for Jordan Love to show the world that he was worth all of this. All of this that he was worth blowing everything up for, that he was worth trading up for, that he was worth a first round pick, and that he is, in fact, a worthy successor to the worthiest successor in the history of the game. Because that's why they drafted him in the first place to take over for Aaron Rodgers. That's why they took him. Or they would have informed Rodgers that they were taking him, but they didn't. So, Aaron himself had enormous shoes to fill, and he did, and then some. So now it's Jordan Love's turn to try to continue that decades-long tradition of Hall of Fame quarterback playing Green Bay. But, but, what do the Packers really have in Jordan Love? Do they even know? How could they know? They may think they know, but there's no way they could because the guy still has not done anything that has mattered in any situation that has mattered. Now, I'm not saying that he hasn't gotten better. I'm not saying that he hasn't improved in the three years that he's been there. I mean, how the hell could he not, right? Just don't tell me, Packer fan, that you know what you have in this guy because you don't. And don't tell me they know what they have in this guy because they don't. Yeah, right, Rome? Right, Rome, but obviously they think they have something or they would not have let Rodgers go in the first place. All right, fair, I guess. Either that or they're really just sick of Rodgers and they needed to get him out of the building. Packer fan, be careful what you wish for and remember what you had. Hear me again. Be careful what you wish for and remember what you've had. Three decades of uninterrupted Hall of Fame play under center. So, Love may be better now than he was when he arrived, but he's now stepping into a near impossible situation. So don't act like you know it's all good. Don't act like he's ready and this transition from one Hall of Famer to another to 
well, Jordan Love is going to be seamless because it's not. Why do you think his own head coach, Matt LaFleur, went way out of his way to tell Packer fan yesterday to R-E-L-A-X when it comes to love? At the same time, we're excited about Jordan and what he's been able to, how, how he's been able to progress as, as a quarterback, um, how he's matured as a man. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a, a different role for him, certainly. And I think we all have to kind of temper our expectations with, you know, for him. Uh, it's just, it's different when you're going into a game versus when you're starting a game. And um, it's going to be a process. Hey, Packer fan, that's got to inspire a hell of a lot of confidence. You got to be feeling pretty good about that, right? We all need to temper our Jordan Love expectations. Is that what you just said? We all need to temper our Jordan Love expectations. The hell we do, Maddie. The hell we do. Nobody is interested in tempering anything. Nobody is interested in tempering any Jordan Love expectations. Least of all, Packer fan. This dude better be good. This dude better be worth all of that fallout that started maybe seven seconds after Roger Goodell called his name on draft night. No kidding, quote, it's going to be a different role for him this year. Right. He's the guy. He's no longer holding a clipboard. He has the weight of three consecutive decades of quarterback greatness on his shoulders. And after all of this, he better be able to handle it. And the team better play well. Because this isn't just a huge year for Jordan Love. It is a huge year for Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst too. Every head coach and GM looks great when their quarterback is out there shredding the entire league and racking up back-to-back MVPs. Now we get to see what this team really looks like without an all-time great under center doing all-time great things that you couldn't wait to get rid of. So no, nobody anywhere is going to temper any expectations. The expectations, of course, are enormous because of course they are, and they better be met or else it's going to get really ugly and really messy really quickly for everybody, no matter how hard anybody in Green Bay tries to preach patience, which Matt LaFleur did a second time yesterday. Yeah, I'm not – I just think it's going to be a progression. I mean, certainly I think we're fooling ourselves if we think he's going to go out there and perform at a level of – to the likes of what Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this guy is a a once-in-a-lifetime, a generational talent. You hear that, Packer fan? You might be disappointed in Aaron's play last year, but if you're expecting any better from Jordan Love, or even just as good, then, quote, you're fooling yourselves. Yeah, that's not coming from me. That's coming from your head coach. He just said as much. It wasn't the whole point of moving on from Aaron supposed to be about winning like if they thought they had a better chance to win with the franchise icon quarterback that they already had under contract wouldn't they have at least tried to run it back and if not what are we even doing here what are we doing here what are we doing here 
And one more thing, Packer fan. Don't, right, Andrew, what are we doing here? You know, you're the one that brought Aaron in. What are we doing here? And, and listen, don't try to tell me about how Aaron ghosted the team, which is what Goody claimed this week. If Goody really wanted the dude back, he would have made that really clear. But does anybody anywhere really believe that Goody really wanted that dude back? And listen, I want to be so clear about this. If he didn't want the dude back and decided that it was time to move on and they want to turn the team over to their young gun that they gave up so much for, great. If you think that love gives you a better chance to win and you'd rather have him in your building than that Hall of Famer that you're clearly sick of, that's fine too. That's your call. But don't make that call and then tell all of us to settle the hell down and to temper our expectations, right? This isn't peewee ball. It's the NFL. And we've just seen three decades of some of the greatest quarterback play ever. And you made the call to move on from that. So hell no, no one is tempering their expectations. It's go time, and this dude has got some enormous shoes to fill, so let's see what he's got and stop covering for him before he actually steps onto the field. For real. This is the QB the Packers traded up for and used a first-round pick on, while Aaron was still clearly in his prime. This is the QB that's now had three seasons to get prepped for and ready to become the guy. This is the QB you just ran off the best player in franchise history for. A franchise icon that could easily still be in the MVP conversation and playing deep into the playoffs for another franchise next season. So... So, miss me with this bullcrap about managing expectations. Love better be up for all that. Because if he's not, again, it's going to get really ugly for a lot of people. So, no, Maddie, I'm not going to temper my expectations. Even if you are about to move on to a quarterback that the great Andy Reid has never even heard of. What did you think about some sort of love in that quarter? What about up in the game that he played against you? What was that, two years ago? Who's that? Jordan Love. Um, I'm trying to remember Jordan Love. Packers, uh, he started that game when Rodgers missed it because of COVID. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, um, I thought he, I mean, what I remember, I thought he was good. Still can't get enough of that clip. We'll never, ever get enough of that clip. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Who? Who's that? Jordan who, Love. Who's that? Um, uh, who? Jordan, you know, Jordan Love. The heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers, who was the heir apparent to Brett Favre. Um, Not only does Big Red have absolutely no idea who Jordan Love is, but they're only asking him because he's the only head coach who's had to prepare for a Jordan Love start. <laughs> 
Because Love has one career start against Andy Reid's Chiefs. And that one start apparently made such an impression on Andy, who's forgotten nothing, that he forgot who Jordan Love was. Apparently that start and that player were entirely forgettable. But from what he does remember, he thought he was pretty good. Then again, then again, as funny as that is, it sounds like Andy Reid is higher on the dude than Matt LaFleur is. And Andy Reid doesn't even know who he is. No, I, um, Either way, I Matty, I mean, you're wasting your time. Because no one is tempering anything. Y'all got what you wanted. Fine. Great. Your decision. Your call. You just better hope that he proves you right. And in the meantime... Stop telling us how we should think and how we should feel about it. We all have to kind of temper our expectations. No, no, actually we don't, Matt, and nobody's going to, and nobody should. It's go time. Your dudes had three years to get ready for this. Three years. You drafted this guy to replace Aaron Rodgers, but you didn't tell Rodgers, and all that did was piss him off into playing two MVP seasons. So, no, no one's tempering anything after three years. Miss me with that bullcrap. Come on with that. We all have to kind of temper our expectations. Yeah, no. Yeah, no one's doing that. 1-800-636-8686. Stop trying to cover this guy. That's not a good take, Matt. Good job, Alvin. Not a very good take. Not a very good take. I don't like that take. Not a very good take. Hit me up, Packer fan. Because I know that you can't wait to get rid of Aaron. He's gone. Don't worry about that. He's not coming back. But we're not tampering anything. If you're going to run a Hall of Fame quarterback and your best player ever out the door, then you obviously have a really good solution and a really good reason. And fine. Notice I'm not saying it's the wrong decision. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's the wrong take. Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? He is Tom Pelissero. Tom, great to have you back. How are you? Fantastic, Tim. How are you doing? Really good, Tom. Good to visit with you. Thanks so much. You've been covering the NFL annual meeting in Arizona. Let me ask you a couple of things. How would you interpret the sequence of events Monday when Lamar Jackson tweeted he had asked the Ravens for a trade back on March 2nd, just as his head coach, John Harbaugh, was telling everybody how much he loved Lamar and expected to have him back this season? What do you make of that whole sequence? Well, first of all, Jim, the timing is no coincidence there. It was absolutely timed up so that John Harbaugh would have to answer uncomfortable questions about Lamar Jackson for that entire 30-minute breakfast. Having said that, the fact that the trade request was made on March 2nd, before Lamar Jackson was even franchise tagged, 
And in addition, the fact that he does not need to be traded right now make it just another unusual, strange development. I mean, think about this. In order to execute a trade, Lamar would need to agree to a new contract with a different team. He already has the right to negotiate with the other 31 teams. The trade request part of it is symbolic at most. It does not really change anything other than, obviously, making clear that right now Lamar Jackson is frustrated by the state of negotiations. It also is at a time where Lamar Jackson continues to engage with the Ravens. You know, his initial tweet said that the Ravens have not been willing to meet his value. Well, here's your chance to go find your value on the open market and negotiate with the other 31 teams. And it's just complicated, Jim, when you're talking about not just giving up a potentially fully or mostly fully guaranteed contract, but also one at a number that's probably close to $50 million a year. It's over 20% of your salary cap. You got to give up two first round picks for a player who his mobility has always been his greatest asset. That is by definition, a depreciating asset. He suffered consecutive season ending injuries and he's a player who you're going to have to overhaul your entire scheme and personnel to play with him. But I'm not saying that no one should do it. He's a former NFL MVP. There's absolutely reason to consider it. But it's, this is not Madden. This is not fantasy. This is real life where you're committing resources and building a team. And Ron Rivera laid it out pretty well the other day, just saying would you invest that much in one player, it does impact everything else you're trying to do. Tom Palacero joining us. You know That answered my very next question. How is it that we're talking about a guy in his prime who's a former unanimous MVP not even getting an offer sheet? You actually just did answer that question by laying that out the way you just did. Let me ask you this. If he doesn't get an offer sheet and he's got to play the next year under that franchise tag, is there any way he would sit out and not play? I think anything's possible, Jim. I think that if there's one thing we know about Lamar and how he approaches this entire situation is that the normal course of business in the NFL is in no way a guide for his decision-making. Listen, if he had an agent, which he does not, not a certified agent, that agent would have pushed two years ago for him to get a new contract. It would have been the same playbook that you saw last year with Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray was not a former NFL MVP. Kyler Murray had not won a playoff game like Lamar Jackson had. No agent would have allowed Lamar Jackson to set foot on the field two years ago for $1.7 million. But he showed up, played the whole season. Last year, same thing. Showed up and played the entire season for $23 million. Now the franchise tag is worth over $32 million. Logic would say, well, if he played for $1.7 and he played for $23, why would he not show up and play for thirty-two? But it's pretty obvious in reading the tweets, which he continued to send late last night, that there's more to this than the simple numbers. And I think that an agent at this point also would be explaining to Lamar, would have done it two years ago, that as much as the fully guaranteed contract matters to the Players Association, as much as there is, in Lamar's mind, a respect factor to that, because Deshaun Watson just got $46 million per year on a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed deal despite serious allegations of sexual misconduct and everything else that was going on, the market say, I'm better than him. I'm more accomplished than him. And he's right. But Deshaun Watson had a unique amount of leverage in that particular situation, and the only way Cleveland was going to get him was to fully guarantee that contract. For Lamar, it's not, you know, in general, at the quarterback position, it's not about the guarantees. It's about cash flow. It's about how much money can you get right now? Because guess what? Quarterbacks don't get cut. Quarterbacks generally play out their deals. And quarterbacks, when you have a year or two left, get to a new contract. So rather than signing a deal two years ago when he easily could have pushed and he did have some leverage of I'm not showing up for $1.7 million, he chose to play. 
And that sets him behind. He's already lost tens of millions of dollars already, just in terms of the contract. Now he's out here. If he starts giving up $2 million per game to sit out, that would seem to be inconsistent with his prior decisions. But again, this is not something that's being driven by the way that agents and teams and players generally think about these things. Anything is possible right now for Lamar Jackson. And, you know, John Harbaugh continues to say that he believes Lamar ultimately will be the starting quarterback. It's just there's not really a clear path to exactly how that's going to happen at this point. Tom Pelissero expertly breaking this all down. Tom, before you go, what about the Jets and Packers? Aaron Rodgers obviously is on record. He said it publicly, I am going to play for the Jets, but he did say that two weeks ago. Now, I understand that today there may not be a sense of urgency from either side, but where do things stand in talks between the Jets and Packers, and at what point does it get urgent? Brian Gutekunst and Joe Douglas did sit down here at the NFL annual meeting. They continue to have the conversation. They've been negotiating for weeks, for over a month, even before Aaron Rodgers met with the Jets. They wanted, ideally, in a perfect world, the Packers would have had the compensation. And for the Jets, they would have had the compensation worked out prior to that conversation. But because of the timeline, because you were already in early March, they had to get the ball rolling. They couldn't sit there and negotiate. Aaron couldn't even talk to them to make his ultimate decision of, what he wanted to do. So at this point, the Packers are not looking for the type of trade package that we've seen in recent quarterback deals of two first-round picks and more. Brian Goodekin said the other day that even getting one first-rounder is not necessarily a necessity, but there's different ways, Jim, that you can get to that same value. It can be a combination of picks that really add up to a first-rounder and more. That's the target right now for the Packers. From everything that I have been told, they're not far. They're not on completely different pages but they're not close yet. And the real pressure point is going to be the week of the NFL draft. Because at that point, if the Packers don't take the Jets' best offer or if the Jets don't come up and meet what the Packers are asking for, now you're talking about going from 2023 and 2024 draft picks to 2024 and 25 draft picks. By the way that most GMs define that, you're downgrading those picks by kicking them back for a year. So if it gets beyond the draft, then we go to crazy town because then it's just about I'm going to mess up your season. No, I'm going to mess up your season. And we can go through this stare down as long as you want. The Packers can go all the way till the day before the regular season opener before they'd have to pull the trigger on Rogers option bonus. And he's only counting like $32 million on their cap. That's not ideal because you'd like to be spending those resources someplace else, but it's not prohibitive for them to wait this thing out. And that's what both sides are saying at this moment. Let's see though. when we get to that pressure point, of the week of the NFL draft and think it's done. Tom Pellicero, my guest. One last thought, Tom. What about, I thought it was kind of curious to see Odell Beckham make an appearance yesterday. I mean, I know he's training in state, but how unusual is it for a free agent to show up at those meetings and what was his agenda? It's pretty rare, Jim. I can only think of one or two other times uh, that that's ever happened. Now it happened that, you know, Odell trains out in Arizona. His agency, Sandu, is based out there. So he was around and, you know, he hadn't been able to get face-to-face with teams since back in December. Now, what I would anticipate here is that Odell will take one or more visits before making a decision because you don't exactly have uh, the equipment and resources to do a physical at uh, the Arizona Biltmore Hotel. So they'll bring they'll bring him in, you know, whether it's the Jets, whether it's the Ravens, whether it's somebody else, I imagine, because the knee was the issue last year. You know, it was a re-tear of the ACL that he had in the Super Bowl back 13 months ago. He was not quite ready in his mind to even work out for clubs. He did finally do that 
uh, a few weeks ago, and you know that created some kind of buzz. Just you know, you see, it's still Odell. You know, maybe he doesn't have that you know the flamethrower speed he once did, but he's still a really good receiver. He's not going to come on the cheap. He's tweeted that much. He's also not asking for twenty million dollars plus, which had been rumored out there. So let's see when this lines up. I mean, think about those teams we're talking about, Jim. The Packers. We think they're getting Aaron Rodgers. They probably are. It's probably ninety plus percent chance, but he's not actually done. The Ravens. We don't know who the quarterback is. And if you're Odell, you don't want to go into an uncertain type of a situation where maybe you're on a one-year contract, you're trying to reestablish yourself, show you're healthy, and all of a sudden, no offense to Snoop Huntley, but if you have a second, third-string quarterback throwing you the football, that's probably not the best way to establish your earning power and try to get one more big bite at the apple. He is an NFL Network insider, a Sirius XM NFL radio host, and all over all these topics, Tom Pellicero, my guest. Tom, really appreciate it. Thanks for coming back on. That was great, as always. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thanks. You too, Tom. Thanks so much. Man, that is music. That is absolute music to my ears. You should know by now exactly what that sound represents, that that is the very best kind of notification you could ever hear. It is the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment that another business dream has become a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. It doesn't even matter what you're selling. Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. I mean anything. Succulents or stilettos. Flaky salt or fine art prints. All sorts of categories. Fashion, home and garden, health and beauty. Essentially anything. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up right now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, all lowercase, Go to shopify.com slash Rome to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. So yesterday at the owners meeting, the NFL owners did approve a proposal to allow players to start wearing the number zero. And thank you, Jungle Tourette's. It's not that it's not even like I said zero. I said zero. Zero. So they're allowed to wear the number zero. And, of course, as soon as that was announced, social media does what social media does. And everybody started to Photoshop their favorite player is wearing their now favorite number zero. Personally, I've never really understood the obsession with that number. But to each their own. And I guess the kids think that's cool. However... One team and one player in particular must have seen this move coming because moments after that news broke, the news that zero was up for grabs, Jaguar wide receiver Calvin Ridley announced that number was his. You know, first, mine, shotgun, zero. And of course, because he was the guy that was front and center with that, that brought out all the trolls. All the clowns, all the keyboard warriors. 
And unfortunately, and of course, Calvin just had to respond. Come on, my man. This is day one stuff. Twitter 101. This is one of those compulsory courses that everybody takes as an undergrad. Like when I was in college, Music 114, Music Appreciation, we all took it. Psych 1, we all took it. Anthro 5, we all took it. Twitter 101, I thought every athlete had taken that. They teach you on day number one. Do not get hooked by online trolls. But of course, that's exactly what happened. That's what happened as some troll hit Ridley on Twitter with, you know, because, again, Ridley's all about, that's mine, zero, that's my number, that's me. So immediately, quote, the internet has jokes. And one guy hits him with, quote, zero, the amount of good bets Ridley took in that parlay, end of quote. I mean, who couldn't have seen that coming other than the guy himself? Pretty much exactly what you'd expect. Certainly what Ridley should expect. A pro athlete who lost a year of his career to gambling. Trolls are going to do and say anything and everything and respond to everything this guy says going forward and try to twist it into some lame gambling heckle or roast. Anything this guy says going forward, trolls are lying in wait because they have nothing better to do, and they will try and twist it or slam it into some lame gambling joke or heckle. That dude, that dude has to know that. Yet somehow, someway, he didn't. How he doesn't know that, I have no idea. Probably the same reason he didn't know not to gamble on the NFL and his own team in the first place. Really good player, really bad decision maker. So, if this guy can't figure this out on his own, you would think that somebody, you would hope that somebody, one person would have enough sense to tell him, my guy, do not reach for your phone. Don't take the cheese. Don't reach for your phone. Like, Calvin, dude. Like, like somebody's got to anticipate, Calvin, dude, dude, I know you want that number. I know you want zero. Dude, that's fine. Rock the number. Do whatever you want with the number. Just don't reach for your phone. Don't thumb out anything about the number. Don't. But he did. And as soon as he did, you knew the trolls were all over him. Then that same person who should have told him, don't reach for the phone, should have been saying, dude, don't hit reply. Don't hit reply. Don't. 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 Don't do it. Don't do it. So what does Calvin do? The exact opposite of what he should have done. Of course, he hits reply. And what does he thumb out? It's incredible. What does he thumb out? Quote, in response to somebody heckling him for gambling, he thumbs out in response, quote, that bleep is behind me, but I won 36K. End of tweet. And, of course, because that tweet was one of the worst ideas ever, it was quickly deleted. And, of course, Calvin doesn't know that that doesn't matter. Calvin doesn't know that the internet is in ink. Calvin doesn't know that you really can't delete anything. You can't. Just because you hit delete doesn't mean it vanished. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Oh, it happened. It happened. 
if you thumb out something stupid, and if you're somebody who matters, if it's up for even five seconds, somebody will grab a screenshot, and then it is there forever. Understand? If it's up for even five seconds, it might as well be pinned to the top of your own Twitter feed. It never goes anywhere. Even if you think you hit deleted, you know, that same person's like, I, I don't get it. I deleted it. H- how is it being retweeted? How is it a snowball rolling downhill? How is it getting so many likes? I deleted it. It doesn't exist. Oh, no, it does, dude. How do you not know this? The internet. Do I have to go over this again? Again in 2023? The Twitter? Still a thing? I still need to go over the rules. Here we go again, very quickly. Here are the rules. There aren't very many. The rules of Twitter. I think I did this 10 years ago. I think I did this 15 years ago, and I was even late to the Twitter party. I I remember people saying, dude, when are you joining Twitter? And that was like, oh, nine. That's how late I was to the party. I guess I have to do this again. All right. All right. Here are the rules. Don't tweet drunk. Don't tweet angry. And unless you want that tweet to live forever, don't tweet it at all. Those are the rules. Don't tweet drunk. Don't tweet angry. And unless you want that tweet to live forever, do not tweet it at all. But he did. And while the initial smack that the troll ran at him really wasn't even that good, his clapback was all kinds of lame. Think about that for a minute. The dude is bragging that he turned 1500 bucks into 36 gur. I mean, bro, in a vacuum, bravo. Good for you. Well done. I've never done that. Well, I have a couple times in horse racing. But I mean, I've never done that. I've never turned 1500 into 36 gur. Awesome. However, the difference is, While you won 30K plus gambling, you forfeited your 11.1 million salary that you would have earned had you played last season because you missed the entire year for gambling. So you didn't really win 36 GUR gambling. You lost more than 11 mil unless they let you keep that money. And I doubt that. So not only are you not a good gambler, you're arguably the worst gambler. And you're almost as bad at social media as you are gambling if you're that easily hooked by trolls. My man, you're an easy mark. It's like shooting fish in a barrel for these losers. And don't you know that made that guy's day? I'm talking about him. Why are you responding? Why are you giving them what they want? My man. And I was hyped when the Jaguars got you because that's another great weapon for a great young up-and-coming team. I love Duval. I love the Jags. I'm Team Jag. I really am a fan. So I was happy to see you get that opportunity there. My man, because of that, I'm going to give you some friendly advice, whether you want it or not. You apologized. You owned it. You even explained that you were going through a tough time in your life and that it was a major mistake. As apologies go... And as ownership and accountability go, that was actually really good. You actually sounded sorry for what you did as opposed to sorry for the situation you found yourself in. Like you handled a really bad situation pretty well. 
At that point, all you needed to do was put your head down. And even more importantly, put your phone down and just go to work. Otherwise, anytime you say or thumb out anything, and it doesn't even matter what it's about, my man, it could be the best thought ever. It could be the most philanthropic thought ever, right? It could make you the best player ever. It could make you the best teammate ever. It could make you the best human being ever. My man, there are losers out there that have nothing better to do. And they are waiting for you to say anything at all so they can hit you with that gambling smack. And it's always going to be like that going forward. No matter how well you play, no matter how much you give back, no matter how great a human being you are, there will always be trolls. My man, what I'm trying to say to you is that gambling suspension, it's going to travel. It's going to travel to every opposing stadium, every online troll. It's always going to be there. So you've got to know that, and you've got to be a hell of a lot more tactical and a hell of a lot less impulsive and not take the bait. You can't get hooked. If you can't do that, if you don't know that, and you can't handle that, my suggestion is get yourself a flip phone. If you have a flip phone and you've got to hit every letter three times, you are less likely to get hooked or drawn into fights that you cannot win. Get a flip phone. Eyes on the prize, my guy. Keep the main thing the main thing. Do work and stop giving losers what they want. Haven't you lost enough already? You lost a year of your career. Put the phone down, put in some earplugs, and go to work. Like if this were, I don't know, another guy who exercises bad judgment, James Kelly, except when he gambles. If it were him, I'd give this guy credit for turning 1,500 into 36 Gur. But James Kelly's not an NFL wide receiver. And again, Ridley didn't turn 1,500 into 36K. He turned 1,500 into a lost year of his career. My man, if I were you, instead of changing, if you feel that strongly about it, instead of changing your number into zero, you should change it into 36. How about that? The only number that you should be changing your jersey number into is 1,400. As in the 1,400 yards a season that you promised Jag fans. See if the league will let you rock that number, my guy. Put 1,400 on your back. How do guys still not know? I know that there are certain people, certain athletes that love it, love the exchange, love setting guys straight, love roasting people, saying, hey, man. (laughs) Love to see I'm here, all right? I see what you're doing. I see what you're saying. Have some. But rare is the person that can do that. There there are not that many people that skilled at that. Calvin, you're not one of those guys. My man, put the phone down, put the earplugs in, do the work, go to work, be who you are, be that guy, be that WR1, and don't get hooked. Seems like I always have to give that lecture. Not every week, not every month, but it comes up because somebody will always get hooked. Yo, dude, you know what? Here's the thing. They can't do what you can do. Unfortunately, even though what they do is not impressive, you can't do what they can do. Those losers do that all day long. They're waiting for that very opportunity, and you provided it for them.
Keep the main thing the main thing, man. And the main thing is not engaging trolls. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Jordan Addison is my guest. Jordan, great to have you on. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Appreciate you for having me. Good to have you. Listen, let me ask you this first. You came west for your final year of college ball. You helped USC return to national prominence this past season. What was your biggest takeaway from playing out here in SoCal? Just the family atmosphere that was going on around in the room, you know, just them welcoming me in for, from day one and just winning a lot of football games. You know, Jordan, I'm a huge Carson Palmer guy. I thought it was really cool that the former Heisman Trophy winner had so much confidence in you that he allowed you to wear his retired number three jersey. What did that gesture represent to you? I mean, that just kind of inspired me a little bit more, gave me a little bit more fire towards the beginning of the season, just Having a Heisman winner, like you said, allowed me to trust, trusting in me to wear his number. You know, I think that's a great honor. Let me ask you this. I think, at least from where I'm sitting, whatever this is worth from the outside looking in, I think that you're as good of a route runner coming out right now as anybody else. How much pride do you take in your ability to run routes the way you do, and how do you approach that? I feel like that's just my thing, you know, just running routes, painting that different pitch. I feel like. Just when I'm out there running routes, I feel like it's the, it's like it just shows that I'm an artist and I could just paint a different picture and portray a defender differently. I like that. Jordan Addison joining us. The thing about that is you're an artist, an artist that measured at 5'11", 173 at the Combine. So you might be the best artist, but you're never going to be the biggest player on the field. But they can't measure what's inside the player, right? Your 100 receptions two years ago demonstrates that you're going to go get it. You're going to find a way to get it. I'm curious, what's your mindset Mm -hmm. when you hit the field, especially as it relates to winning at the line of scrimmage and then attacking the secondary? Generally, what is your mindset? So generally when I'm stepping on the field, I got to make sure that everybody in the stands remembering who number three is. So when I'm when I'm out there on the field, I just show energy in everything that I'm doing, whether it's blocking, running routes, catching the ball. Everybody, before they leave the stadium, everybody got to know who three is. Jordan Addison joining us. I like that too. So listen, depending on where you land in the NFL, you may not immediately play with a quarterback as skilled as USC's Caleb Williams. I'm curious, what was it like? You know, a couple of marquee guys – you at wide receiver, him at quarterback. What was that partnership like this past year for you? Real fun, really, real exciting. Can't give up on no plays. You know, just having him in that backfield, knowing that he can extend the play at any given moment, is just, you, you just know that that big play could come at any time. Jordan Addison's joining us. You played for a couple of head coaches that I have immense respect for in Pat Narduzzi and Lincoln Riley. Now, from a personality standpoint, you know, these are pretty different cats, but what do they share in common, and how did both of them help you to refine your game? One thing that they both share in common is they both player players, coaches, I'll say, and they know how to control the culture in the room. 
Dude, how important is culture? Like, guys, you hear it so often, Jordan. Every Like, there's not a coach that I've ever had on this show probably in the last 20 years that didn't reference culture. I'm curious from a player's standpoint, how would you define that culture? Why is that so important? It's just so important because it gives you a chance to hold everybody accountable. You know, it's a lot of players on the team. A lot of people want to do their own thing, but if everybody buying into that one culture, then, you know, that's where, that's where, that's where we succeed at. Yeah, that's so big, right? Accountability. I'm curious. So when you come to USC and you know that you're the guy, and when you hit that field, you want everybody to know who number three is and not forget that. But when you come to a situation like that, even with the numbers that you had put up, how did you go about enforcing that accountability? Like, did you try to blend in initially, or could you walk right in and try to kind of enforce that culture as you learned it as you went? What did you do in terms of holding others accountable? How did that work? Well, first I had to hold myself accountable, you know, just coming in with the name that I have and, you know, all the, the eye on me. I just got to make sure that I'm being the same person every day, coming in ready to work and just showing them that. Dude, I like that, actually. You can't hold anybody else accountable unless you're holding yourself accountability. You said you had to show every single day when you came in consistency, right? That's another word. How important is it to be consistent, to show up the same way every single day? It's real important, and that's something that's hard to do, just showing up every day and being the same guy. So just striving for that consistency and just showing it, it really means a lot to a bunch of new guys coming in that you're trying to build trust with. Jordan Addison, my guest, is getting ready for the NFL draft. Jordan, I know you're your own man. You are your own guy. But when you look around the NFL right now, do you see any other receivers that you might compare yourself to or that remind you of yourself? I say Calvin really. That's one of the main guys that I look at uh-huh. when it comes to running routes. Okay. I'm going to talk about him a little bit later on. Maybe not in the same way, but yeah, I, I see. I know what you're talking about. He, I say that only because he was talking about, well, never mind. It was a whole different deal. But in terms of, look, great player. Awesome player. WR1. And he is yeah. a great route runner. In fact, when you look at him, how about versatility? How important is it to you? You might be known as a guy that runs amazing routes, but how important is it to you to be seen as somebody who's versatile and does everything at that spot? That's that's something that I I look at myself as somebody who could play any position on the field, run any route. So when I'm looking at that guy, that's why I'm looking at him and and you know trying to paint my pitches and run my routes like he do. Jordan Addison joining us. You know, given the fact that you had that ankle injury that limited you to 11 games last season, I'm sure NFL teams are pretty interested in your physical condition. Do you think that after all the poking? and prodding and medical exams and questions that you were asked that they came away satisfied that you're 100%. And are you 100% now? Oh, yeah, they came away satisfied. And I'm 100% now. And I'm going to continue to show that every day. Jordan, you feel like coming out that you are the best wide out in this draft? I'm going to let the team decide that. But, yes, I feel like I, I am. Right, so day one of the draft is now less than a month away with the event starting on April 27th in Kansas City. Have you made plans for what you're going to do for the first night of the draft or for the draft itself? And have you thought about what your emotions might be when you get that call from an NFL team? I can't really explain how my emotions are going to be. That's just something that I'm, I'm going to have to go through and experience on that day, but I made plans to go to the draft, so I'm going to the draft right now. 
me ask you one last thing. You grew up in a big family. You had six brothers, three sisters. Your family was obviously on your mind when you had one of the great moments, I thought, at the Combine. You ended an interview, and you looked directly into the camera, and you told your mom, quote, we're almost there. Kick your feet up. Kick your feet up, Mom. We're almost there. What's mm-hmm. it going to mean for you? I'm mean, Great moment. I thought that was awesome. What's it going to mean to you to be able to provide for your family, given all the sacrifices that they've made for you to get to this spot? It's going to be – it's going to mean a lot. And, I, you know, I'm just trying to repay them in every way. They was always with me every step of the way. They never doubted me. And it's just going to mean a lot to show them that this promise that I made to them a long time ago, it's just – it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay out. Hey, Jordan, one thought about that. Take me through this. Did you, when you're a young athlete coming up and you know people are looking at you, and more importantly, people are counting on you. That, that's a lot, man. That's a lot for a young person, for anybody, even somebody gifted like you. Did you feel that as a burden or a responsibility, or was it something that kind of empowered you, and did you feel good about it? Like, what did that feel like? Yeah, I feel good about it. I don't, I don't think there's no pressure or no burden. It's just it's just showing you that you're the one, you're the chosen one. You're the one that got to do it so our family could eat. So I took pride in it. Respect. My man, so you grew up in Maryland, right? You play in Pittsburgh. You come to L.A. How did SoCal treat you? What was it like playing here in Los Angeles? Oh, it, treat, it treated me real nice. You know, the weather, palm trees, everything. Just everything about it was cool, and it was, it was just a, a different experience. You know it. Good place, man. Good place. He is an NFL draft prospect. Wide receiver who played at USC last year. He played at 52 years prior to that. Had a good, fast 4-4-9-40 at the Combine. Now just getting ready for the NFL draft. Jordan, really good to have you on the show. Good luck. Good talking to you, and I appreciate the conversation. Thank you for having me. So this guy responds. He writes, quote, Around 20 years ago, a co-worker told me I should try the show out. The first segment I ever heard was Alvy's Week That Was. I tuned in after the intro. I thought my radio was broken. Signed Trevor in Toronto. Two takeaways. Number one, I love that that's a Canadian listener. Somebody from Toronto. Because after all, quote, this show was never going to work in Canada. That's somebody in Toronto. Number two, you're lying out your ass. You did not tune in, quote, around 20 years ago and drop in on the Alvy Week That Was segment. Alvy didn't start doing that segment until 2009. June of 2009. Calvin, I wonder, do you have the first ever week that was? Dude, I would love to. Okay, no, 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 this can be fun. Dude, let's see your game then compared to your game now because your game right now is impeccable. And I'm curious what we were doing and what we sounded like back in 09. I have not previewed this. I have no idea how this is going to sound, but I think this is going to be fun. It was not, quote, around 20 years ago. It was exactly June of 09. Alvin, are you ready? Alvin, stop explaining what it was back then. We have ears. We'll decide for ourselves. We, Alvin, we understand. Listen, I know that if somebody were to say to me, hey, Rome, why don't we listen to your show when you hosted it back in Santa Barbara in the late 80s? It's understood that I would sound like crap. And I'm not saying you sound like crap. I'm just saying that we get it. 
We understand that your first ever attempt at the week that was in 09 is not going to sound like it sounds now, or even frankly, has sounded like the last eight or 10 years. We all get it. Can we please have it nonetheless? I'm really curious. Alvin, roll the first ever week that was, not 20 years ago, but in June of 09. What is up? A tremendous Monday to you. Welcome to the jungle. Check out Brett Michaels at the Tony Awards. Check that guy's acting. Uh Uh-oh. Every rose has its thorn, and every award show has its backdrop that will lower and knock your wig <coughs> cowboy hat off. I mean, that wasn't a little head bump. He got level. Jalen Rose joining us. What's going on, Rome? Great to be back on. I listen. All right, Fred, let me just stop right there. How awesome is this? There was a poison take. My former brother in smack, Jalen Rose telling me how great it is to be back on in the jungle. I don't remember the last time I talked to Jalen, but he was my brother in smack. I've done this so long. I used to interview Jalen when he was a member of the Fab Five. That's how we became brothers in smack. He ran such amazing smack. So this is Alvy's week that was in 09. We've already, and he's trying to explain to me in my ear, like, dude, the reason, I'm like, I don't want to hear any of this. I just want to hear the product. We had a poison take. We had an interview with Jalen Rose. I can't wait to hear what else we have, Alvy. To the show frequently. I watch the TV show daily. We have to get our karma back together, sir. Donuts. Baltimore center fielder Adam Jones. Did you or did you not go to Tory Hunter and say, just so you know, one day that gold glove is mine? I just told him, you know, I want one of your gold gloves. And he told me, you know, all he wanted was one. They stuck him with seven or eight. He's a five-tool player, and he has that six-tool. That is his attitude. There's too much down there, man. <laughs> if I should just have a celebrity smack off, Shaquille and Scottsdale. Check it. All right. Let's go to Alan Nocow. Thanks for the fine. The greatness of the Raiders is in the vertical game. Lane Kiffin is a lying rat. He will kill that university. Pearl will hate him. Summit will hate him. The entire state will hate him. War Casper, War John Madden. Good night now. Let me stop right there. Let me stop right there. Al Davis was still very much alive at the point of that take. Alvy? Nice to have you on the show, Jack. How are you? Pretty good, Rome. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. I'm actually in the 310 this morning. Nice. Yeah. What's up with this cloudy weather? Ah! You're on hold 45 minutes to ask me what I thought about the weather. Who do I look like? Johnny Mountain? Hey, Jack, what's up? Hey, Rome, I got to tell you, man, these gas prices are crazy. Hey, yo, have you seen any good movies lately? What's up with the Dodgers would have won you the smack off by comparison? <coughs> hey, Rome, even in death, Roger Dangerfield can't get no respect. Kevin in Hollywood. He's the most, he's a Roger Dangerfield of goaltenders. He never gets any credit. That was awesome. Hey, Rome, did Don Cherry call Rodney Dangerfield Roger Dangerfield? Regards, Isaiah Thompson. I'm glad to welcome you all and to welcome Isaiah Thompson as FIU's basketball coach. Isaiah Thompson. That's not a misspeak. That's unforgivable. Yeah! Let's go to the phones quickly. Norman, Oklahoma. No way. Norman in Norman? How are you? Remember a couple weeks ago, Jim, when Kyle Bush took a run at Dale Earnhardt Jr. saying that they had to do something to help Jr. win? Well, firing his crew chief. Yeah, that really worked, didn't it? Nah. 
That's the first not joke I've heard on this or any show probably in a decade. Coming up in hour number three, Tiger Woods will be my guest. Not. Not. <laughs> Coming up the top of the third hour, I'm going to conference LeBron James and Tiger Woods with Peyton Manning for a three-way interview. Not. Not. <laughs> that was awesome. Norman in Norman. Not. Not. Yeah. Greg Doyle joining us. As for Tim Floyd, oh, do you think I'm a kind of guy that gloats and says I told you so? Do you yes, think? I do think you're that guy. I told you so. I told Told everybody Tim Floyd was a scumbag, and the fact that he would quit right now before anybody's found anything technically wrong with him tells me that, that he's about to get caught being a scumbag. Bigger than Kelvin Sampson even dreamed of being a scumbag. If you open your mind up to it and you watch MMA, it's pretty compelling. In fact, it's very compelling. Hey, Rome. Of course MMA fans have weak arguments because they're freaking morons. And why are they freaking morons? Because they watch MMA. This next text says, hey, non-MMA fan, MMA fans can't articulate our arguments. How about I articulate your face? Regards, meatheads. <laughs> MMA fan is starting to rally up. Nick in Green Bay. Listening to the MMA thing kind of pumped me up and pissed me off. Because oh, fans like that, that like MMA, we're, we're no class, right? Because last time I checked uh, the Eagle fan, they were, they were the epitome of culture and class. Oakland fan, you guys are uh, debonair and upstraight. Last time I checked, MMA fighters were going into the stands and beating the hell out of fans. Yes, this video, it is awesome. Keith Alloy, this guy's got crazy hops. He doesn't need to say anything because he's got his crew. It's real right here, no mirrors, no nothing. And the crew had a message for Gilbert. Dude that jumped out the pool ain't got nothing on my dog, man. He literally, standing still. Get him right, in a slipper. He's able to jump over the door. There you have it. Into the back of the truck. It's incredible. Jump out the pool on that. Eat it, hud. All right, let's go to the phones. Terrence in Sierra Madre. Just like Andre Rising starting his own Hall of Fame, I held my own smack-off last week, and the winner of the first annual Terrence from Sierra Madre smack-off was none other than Terrence from Sierra Madre, free at last. Hey. Mike in India is back. What is up, Mike? Rome, did I hear this correctly? Jason Whitlock's going to be in the smack-off next year? Why not just let Susan Waldman in? Oh, my good goodness gracious! Maybe we can mix in a little Boom Goes the Dynamite, kid. And Boom Goes the Dynamite. Good night, no! <laughs> Dude, no wonder you tried to explain that ahead of time. That actually was a good throwback. That was kind of fun. You have improved dramatically but you know what though there there were certain moments of that that were so classic there was a Terrence from Sierra Madre call within that was cool that actually that whole thing was cool that was cool because I had no idea what to expect that was incredibly organic not to be confused with ionic stuck nuts back ionic. quote Alvi's first the week that was sounded great Signed, the ponytail fill-in guy. No, the difference is, and respect, you can't knock the hustle. The ponytail fill-in guy who was running outside to burn heaters between segments wanted the week that was. I'm like, bro, that's a big ask. I really respect the ambition, but are you sure you want to do that? Oh, I got this. I got this. I got this. It was so bad, I pulled it right in the middle. Alvin made it from start to finish. That's so awesome. That's how that sounded. First time ever. And that listener, I wonder if he dropped in on the first one you ever did. And he's still here. It's kind of fun, Alvin. Alvin, what was that like for you to listen to? Given that you are the ultimate pro 
and perfectionist. What was that like for you as the ultimate craftsman to hear that quote? That was painful. I mean, dude, it wasn't your best work, but it was your first effort. I remember we had that conversation. I'm like, Alvin, I, I know you can contribute more. I know you can do more. You are a wizard, man. I have such unbelievable and profound faith in you. You can do this. You can do something like this every day. Dude, I'm not doing it every day. I'll do it once a week. I'll try it, all right? Like, all right, let's start somewhere. Yeah, well, 15 years later, it's still only once a week. But damn, it's good. It's really good. That wasn't. That was good. That was fine. That's all right. It just goes to show, though, you just keep hammering away at your craft, and you get better and better and better and better and better. 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. Jump out the pool on that. 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. Then you're an outlier. Great job. We go to Hillsboro, Virginia. Larry, good to have you on the show, Larry. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Uh, Jim, I want to call about uh, the uh, situation of Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. I'm a Packer fan since 1966. I'm 68. That was the first year I followed football, and Green Bay's been very fortunate to have three great quarterbacks. Unfortunately, the last one they've had doesn't seem to be very well appreciated by management. I'll tell you what. Ryan Gutekunst and Jordan Love are probably, not definitely, but probably going to be a marriage made in ham and egg heaven. Um, I don't think they've been uh, very respectful to Rodgers. I'm happy to see him moving on, and I hope he does very well with the New York Jets. Good night now!